Playoff time is when things start getting serious on the court. Players are more driven than ever to win these big games and keep advancing. Goodyear knows all about being more driven, too. Working hard to help you advance on and off the road. Let Goodyear.com help you choose what's best. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective. As our producer Andrew Hahn likes to say, or has been saying today, this is a very special edition of the Hoop Collective. Andrew, why is it a special edition? It's very special because it's it's just you, Brian. It's just Jackie McMullen. There's no Tim Man, Tim Band McMahon. We have banned him from today's banned. episode. Right. You if you want to know why McMahon is not available, you can check his Twitter feed. He's been tweeting at a certain airline that we won't mention here. Um, of course, he may delete these. He may delete those, but he's had air travel problems. So, oh well, uh, we'll we'll soldier on without him. Um, we've got Jackie McMullen from Boston. Not so many happy nights in Boston these no. last uh, week or so. The Celtics. It's been an interesting week, Jackie. They, they lost last night to the Blazers. The Blazers, by the way, um, are throwing a wrecking ball through the Eastern Conference. They're on a on a road trip. I think they're five and zero on this road trip. Um, they've really done well against the East in general this year. And other than getting stuck in an elevator, I think the elevator right was that was that at Emerson, Jackie? Emerson I don't College. Wanna, yes, it was. Yeah. It was at Emerson S- College. Which you have to go to get to the gym. It's it's like an up it's like an upstairs downstairs kind of thing. It's a great gym. My daughter actually played in that gym against Emerson College, uh, so that was unfortunate. It didn't not phase them in the slightest. In the slightest, they're a good team. They looked. It's some certain. of the guys looked. Like they were sweating a little bit. Uh, if you watch the videos, I think Ennis Cantor had sort of a time lapse, and uh, some of the guys were not feeling so good after a half hour in that box, but. Uh, uh, it didn't carry over to the game. Yeah, so um, it's just hard to get gyms in Boston. It's 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 long been an issue. Um, the TD Garden, because of it's one of the busiest buildings in America. You know, with all the it with the Bruins games and other stuff, it's hard to get in there to practice. So on practice days, teams usually either go to Emerson or uh, Suffolk, um, right? Uh, which school. both. Which both have underground gyms. You have to go uh, down elevators to get there, or I guess you can go out to um, UMass, right? The UMass Boston, um, yes. out on the My old water stomping there. ground. That's where all the great Globe pickup games were held, Brian. Well, it's right down the street from the Globe. That's where I dislocated my finger. Yep, I don't like to think about that. Thanks for bringing oh, I'm that sorry. up. Sorry. Yeah. Well, back in the old days of the of the uh, the Boston, you know, Boston used to have a summer league. Um, the Shaw's Summer League, or in Boston they would say right. Shaw's, the Shaw's Summer League. Um, uh, you know, that was where LeBron played some of his first games, as a matter of fact, at the Shaw's Summer League That's out in right. the U.S. But anyway, it's hard to find gyms in Boston to practice in, and, uh, they were, they had to go, they had to come up from underground, they got stuck in the elevator. Uh, if you haven't seen the videos, they're on social media. It's, um, it's, it's all, it's all fun and games now that they're out, but, um, there was, um, some pressure, uh, a bunch of <laughs> Damian Lillard did not look like a happy man. Uh, no. He's cool and calm and collected under pressure on the court, slapping his wrist and stuff like that when he hits a big shot. But he did not look so cool, cool, uh, cool calm and collected in that elevator. But more uh, to the point, uh, the Celtics have lost four in a row. It's the longest losing streak of the season. Um, and 
Jackie, I don't know how to describe Kyrie's uh, attitude during this, other than he's a he's peak Kyrie. He's saying strange things. I mean, what are you? What are you? What do you make of the Celtics right now? It's it's not good. And I was on the part of the trip with them. I was in Milwaukee with them, which started their post All Star uh, road trip. And you know that game was, you know, Kyrie had a bad game, but. Uh, there was no crime in losing that game. They were in that game start to finish. So that loss to start the road trip, you know, that you can... Milwaukee's the best team in the NBA. I I don't even blink because they lose on the road to Milwaukee. But what happened the next night, and I was there in Chicago, was about as confounding as anything I've seen in recent years, was certainly in the Brad Stevens era. There's something wrong with this team, Brian. There's something wrong with the very core of it. And I think I was one of the people that thought, oh, there's plenty of time for them to figure this out. It feels less and less like that to me uh, because you go into Chicago. Now, let's give Chicago some credit. They're playing very well. They, they won again or, last night. They did. They're, they, I mean, so give credit where credit is due. Uh, and in the particular game that I saw, you know, Zach Levine went off and Laurie Markin and together the two of them went off and, and the Celtics just couldn't stop the bleeding. But... In that locker room after that loss, now remember that's, what was it, eight weeks earlier? I think they lost by 55 or something to the Celtics, something crazy like that. Right. You know, Marcus Smart. Wasn't it Fred Hoiberg's? No, it was yes. It was the game where uh, Boylan Jim Boylan had the, just taken over. Yeah. And he called, he just he called the practice the next day, which resulted in the near mutiny. There um, you go. That was that, was, that was that weekend, but yeah. Right, exactly. But they're playing very well. But, but you know, in that locker room, it was surreal to me. Uh, after a loss like that, I expected it to be a very somber, you know, angry locker room. It wasn't. Guys were joking around. They were laughing. I was surprised to see that. Now, I know it's a long year and you shouldn't focus on one game, but that one game to me sort of has come to symbolize everything that's wrong with them. They have these defensive lapses. They, when, when the game gets tight, they all start jacking up ill-advised threes. The Celtics, when they're playing their best, when they're sharing the ball and moving the ball, and when they're playing defense, and they're, I think, I haven't looked this morning, but through all this, this horrificness, they've still been in the top five defensively almost all year, Brian. So when they play the way they're supposed to play, that's why so many people keep saying, I still think they can go to the finals, but I'm at the point now where I'm jumping off that bus. There's something wrong with this team. And it's and people don't like to hear about chemistry and leadership because those are intangibles. But there's a bad vibe in that locker room. And that night in Chicago, you know, Marcus Smart was beside himself. And everybody else was kind of like, well, it's just one game. Well, I don't think they believe that. I actually even said to Kyrie, Kyrie said, you know, I'm, I'm done being frustrated. I still think we can beat anybody. And someone said, well, why do you think that? And he said, because I'm here. And I love positive self-talk like that. But I actually said to him afterwards, I don't believe you. And he said, I don't care. And that was a good answer on his part. I, he, he doesn't have to explain to me anything. I get that. But uh, he's, there's something up with him for sure. Um, I don't think he's entirely pleased with his role. I don't know what, what that entails. He's been out of sorts. He's been in a funk for quite a while. And it affects that entire team. Because he's so, by far, their best player. And they need him. And when he's in a funk, it just trickles down to everybody else. Remember, we're talking about a team that has a bunch of young guys. 
And so I'm not going to blame this all on Kyrie Irving, but he's got to take his piece of the blame. Brad Stevens has been very hard on himself, understandably, because he's got to take some piece of the blame. And veterans like Al Horford and Marcus Morris, everybody does. Everybody does. So it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward. But, you know, if the playoffs started today, they'd be starting out on the road and just go look at their numbers on the road. They, they could lose in the first round. Think about that. Think about that. I just feel like just Kyrie's... Just on that for a minute. Right, you're right. Right now they'd play Philly, I think, in the first round. I don't know if... In the first round on the road. And, they, and, they, and they've owned Philly, but that's before Tobias Harris. Because Tobias, you know, what they used to do, the way they beat, um, way they beat um, Philly was that, you know, they'd, they'd let Ben Shimon shoot all day, which of course he wasn't going to do. And they could, they could gamble that way and, and create problems for Embiid. And, you know, Al Horford does an amazing job in Embiid. So if you had to play one of those teams, I guess you'd go for that. But on the road... I just don't know. I just don't well, know. Well, Kyrie's conversion, his slow conversion to becoming LeBron is oh nearly goodness. complete. Um, because yeah. Yeah. I, I, if LeBron hasn't used those exact words, because we have me or because of me, he's been right. very close. Um, yeah. There have been times where LeBron's teams have been either at a low point in a series, you know, down 2-1 or 3-1 even, or, you know, down... 2-0, or LeBron, or you know, even in the regular season when they're struggling, where LeBron is proclaimed everything is fine because we have me, and it is um, you know arrogance there. But LeBron's point was well taken. Um, and here's the thing: like I, I recognize everything that you say, Jackie, about the red lights within the Celtics. Um, I've watched them all year. Um, I think. One of the remarkable things about Brad Stevens is um, he really has done a great job getting the team to overachieve the last couple of seasons um, with Isaiah and then uh, last year with the injuries. Um, it's been kind of like one of his calling cards. Their stunning underachievement this year, uh, plus his difficulty in getting players to, to sell players on their role, which is one of the most important thing a coach does is just very surprising. Um, the issues within the team, certain guys worried about their contracts, certain guys um, just worried about you know their you know their piece of the pie. I recognize all of those red flags. I don't I don't uh, you know brush aside any of them. But that said, I kind of get what Kyrie is saying. I still see could see this team bringing it together and winning the East. Uh, because I just believe that much in their talent. Now, if they got to play Philly in the first round, uh, and they would have to potentially beat Philly in the first round, Milwaukee in the second round, and uh, um, you know, I, I don't know who would who would be all left on their side of the bracket. But they, if they would have right. to win, if they would have to then beat Toronto, beat basically all three other of the best right. teams, that's an incredibly hard road to hoe. And I. I that said, I kind of understand where Kyrie is coming from because um, I respect their talent. And uh, I don't want to say to put down Milwaukee. Milwaukee, by the way, won last night in Sacramento. So every game Sacramento's playing right now is do or die. Buddy Heald played great. Um, uh, Giannis only played 25 minutes because he's on a minute restriction with a knee injury. Chris right. Middleton cramped up 
and couldn't finish the game. So they're out there in overtime on the road in Sacramento, and Eric Bledsoe brings them home with a triple double. Like all that team does is win. I, I, there's nothing I there's nothing I can say yeah. uh, about Milwaukee, but 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 compliments. Uh, but I still I still kind of get what Kyrie is saying, and maybe that's my time around LeBron. I talked about this earlier on the podcast this week. Um, I still think I would put Boston as my favorite to win the East. I do it with a bit of a red face, but I don't know. I, I still believe it. Maybe I'm a fool. Well, I don't know that you're a fool because the talent is there. And, and see, I would buy into what Kyrie was saying if I thought when he was at, you know, at, for instance, after that Chicago game, when he said what he said, if I believed he really meant it. But I don't believe he means it hmm, because okay. I see the frustration spilling over all over. Look at last night. Go look at the uh, there, there's footage of him being frustrated on the bench. You know, at the end of the Chicago game, when he was trying to make make a play, he was very irritatingly waving Al Horford out of the way. You know, so listen, they need Kyrie Irving to win. And I know the, the number that everybody here in Boston's talking about today is they're 9-2 and two when Kyrie Irving doesn't play this year. Right. Okay? That's a real number. But it's don't, you and I, I think you yeah. and I can both agree that they can't win, they can't go anywhere deep into the playoffs without Kyrie Irving. Now, this isn't last year. we got to forget about last year. I'm going to say that again. This is a different East, a stronger East with stronger teams. Uh, so that I don't think can happen. Kyrie Irving is the only, you know, he's the killer. You saw the, the big three he hit last night in the waning seconds of that game against Portland. He's it the guy a, that can do that. It was a breathtaking shot, actually. I mean, it, it was ended up not mattering, but it was, uh, right. and it was dead eye right in the middle, under heat in the right corner. All his away. Spot. Yeah. yeah. Really great uh, shot. However, what's happening in the final minutes of these games, see, the best, the best game was when he was, when he was scoring, because they always need him to score, but also facilitating. And what's happening now at the end of these games is he's just like, all right, y'all, I'll do this. And he's driving in against, you know, Yusuf, right? And he blocks a shot. That's fine. I understand driving to the basket. The Celtics, if I have one complaint about them, Brian, is they should do yeah. that more. They're one of the worst Nur- Nur- teams Nurkic in the owned him a, a couple of times in the fourth quarter. Right. He but that's what I was going to few times. Yeah. But that's what I was going to say. The first time, in, I get it. You want to draw a foul. You're trying to get to line. But then 20 seconds later, you go down and do the exact same thing again? So <laughs> no, Nurkic stood over him, too, after he rejected him. Right. Again. So these are, these are yeah. some of the questions you have. And I think everybody, last night to me was a classic example of a team that was pressing to win. And Brad made the point after the game. They are feeling the urgency. They are feeling the pressure. And I'll tell you, in Boston, it's getting ugly for Kyrie. There's a lot of people that are just going the heck with him. Let him go. Because the big issue now is when he declared, hey, I want, I want to stay if you'll all have me. And then, of course, comes back and says, check back with me July 1st. You can almost point to that moment and his conversation with LeBron that he shared with everyone. And it backfired miserably, as you know. Go back. That's almost the point where everything started going a little haywire here. And it's a problem. I'm telling you, Danny Ainge was on that road trip, Brian, that I mentioned, the Milwaukee and Chicago road trip. I was surprised to see him. I asked him how often he travels with the team since I'm not with them regularly because I'm covering the whole league. He says about four or five times a year. He was in, seen in the locker room after the horrible Toronto loss, talking with Kyrie Irving at his locker. So right. there's concern. There's concern everywhere. What And, you know, it's almost like Kyrie, it's, again, back to let's make a comparison to LeBron. Is he leaving? Is he staying? And it's casting a pall over this team. It just is. There's just, it's yeah, undeniable. Yes, Andrew. Uh, 
how much blame does or blame is not the right word, but is does Brad Stevens have the ability to manage superstar egos? Because I feel like during his tenure with the Celtics, it's not the, exactly the same dynamic that he's had to deal with this year. And I, a rising uh, opinion in recent decades in the NBA is that one of the main responsibilities of a head coach is to be able to manage these star players on a title contending team. It's a fair question. I mean, if you look at the way Brad has coached, even back in college at Butler, they ran a very... Uh, I mean, he had a star in Gordon Hayward, but even even then, it was still a pretty democratic system, the way they played, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe a Butler fan would say, no, no, Hayward got 68% of the shots, and I would be wrong. But I don't remember that team being all Hayward all the time. I remember them having other players. It's a fair question. I think Kyrie, to be honest with you, as I've seen Kyrie go through four coaches now, um, I think it's four. Uh, I think he's I think he's a handful for anybody. Um, he had issues with Mike Brown right out of the gate. Um, I don't know if Mike Brown was his first coach or his second coach. No, Byron. Byron Scott was right, his so first so, coach. So, so he's had five yeah. coaches. Um, he had issues with Mike Brown. Um, David Blatt. He was okay with. He was actually one of the few. Um, uh, voices of ever gave David Blatt any um, support publicly. Um, he ended up disliking Ty Lue, um, and he's obviously had moments with Brad Stevens this year for, for sure. And one thing I wondered, you know, Jackie in Milwaukee that night, and by the way, I agree with you, I, I actually felt the Celtics came out of that game okay. Um, uh, the last play, you know, they, they freaked out because um, they felt that um, there was a, I can't remember who was guilty of holding, uh, that didn't allow Marcus Morris to right. get the back cut to the rim. And by the way, the um, their official review said that that should have been a foul, but Kyrie also right. threw a, a legal screen. And to go off on a tangent here, I am convinced in the last two-minute reports that they look for ways to balance the score. So Totally. It, Couldn't agree so more. It, so if they if they if they decide that a guy got fouled and there was no call, they go actually though he traveled, uh, he moved his pivot foot, blah blah blah. Um, but anyway, that was a play that was not designed for Kyrie. He ended up getting the ball and getting the last shot, which he also thought he got fouled on. Um, but the play was not designed for him, and we all remember that game in Orlando when he didn't get the ball. He had a you mm-hmm. know stage three meltdown, and I wonder how Kyrie felt in the huddle when they drew up a play that was not for him again in the last second uh, situation. But I, I just think Kyrie's hard to manage. I think he's uh, he's a huge personality, and I thought it was interesting, um, Jackie. I, I agree. Like, if Kyrie had just not said anything about his free agency, if on media day he said, I don't even know if I'm picking up my option yet, that's seven months away, um, I'm not going to talk about it all year, um, I think it would have gone way better than this, you know, one foot in, one foot out maneuver, mm-hmm. which he did, I think, to take the pressure off of himself and the organization. But by, you know, him withdrawing, it's made it exponentially worse. And I thought it was interesting that um, recently, I think it was over All-Star Weekend, Giannis Antetokounmpo was asked about, um, you know, free agency in general. He has one year left before he can extend his contract. He has two years left in total. 
And he said something interesting. He said, after watching what's happened in this league over the last couple of years, I've decided I'm never going to talk about free agency. I'm never going to speak about it. Now, it's easy to say that when you're two years away and everything like that and you're not being peppered with it. We'll see when push comes to shove. But I almost think that that's really good advice and advice that Kyrie probably could have benefited from is never saying a word about it. And so that's been destabilizing. His 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 back and forth with Brad Stevens has been destabilizing. And I just, you know, you can feel the Celtics, an organization that is used to having its act together and buttoned up and having its plan. And frankly, at least for the last two or three years, Jackie, overachieving. This is not a sensation that they're used to having, and they're struggling. They're struggling dealing with the adversity. And it's... um it's not something that's normal. And I do think a lot of it is based on, on Kyrie because he is kind of all over the place. As great as he is as a player, his attitudes are all over the place and it causes problems. Yes. He's, um, I mean, he's such a great player. And that's the part that people here in town are missing now because they're so irritated and upset. Right. And, uh, and, you know, it's so funny how it goes. So at the end of that game last night, I don't know if you got to watch it against Portland, there was a point where they were, I think, within four or six. You know, there was, a, they, 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 I think it was six. I can't remember. I was watching at home, so I wasn't, you know, really locked in the way I should be probably. But I had just gotten back from New York, so I just got in home just in time to turn it on. But there was a point where they came down, and they, it was a big possession. And Marcus Smart, who's everybody's favorite Celtic for obvious reasons because he wears his heart in his sleeve, he dives after loose balls, he's everything that comes to um, represent the blue-collar Boston, you know, the people love that right that's he's their guy and he comes down and takes just the most ill-advised awful, three awful awful awful, three. awful shot and, yeah. and it, it doesn't go it, there's no and it's funny because nobody is talking about that today that's right and that's You're because marcus, right about that yeah. because marcus smart has built up so much goodwill okay among the fans among the, the journalists among everyone i think and what's happening now is Kyrie has put himself under a microscope Everything he does and says now is scrutinized so carefully. And I don't care who you are, that's an impossible way to go through a season. So if I were Kyrie, and this is bad for our business, I probably shouldn't be saying this. I just would say, hey, I'm going to talk to you all about after the game, but I'm going to keep it brief. I'm going to keep it short. And I think that's what he's trying to do now, because I think he understands it's, it's, it's counterproductive for him. It's counterproductive for his teammates. I will say a couple of other things. Number one. I know people think I'm crazy to say this, but they need Aaron Baines and they need him badly. And the numbers support this so significantly. When he's in their lineup, everything calms down. And that it's because he's a big bruising presence. He's a great defensive presence, but he's also a veteran that everybody kind of looks to and he just doesn't put up with any nonsense. So he's not going to turn the whole season around, but he makes a difference. They need him and they need him soon. And number two, the other important thing that I think happened last night and I've been waiting for this, quite frankly, and Brad Stevens finally did it, was in crunch time, Jalen Brown was on the floor. And he's earned that right, Brian. Now, early in the year when they moved Jalen Brown to the bench, they had to do it. He was drowning. His defensive numbers were, were not that good. His Couldn't offensive numbers were, was just atrocious. He has worked his way back. He's playing with great confidence. I thought he played beautifully last night on both ends of the floor. He made some good defensive stops. And when it came to crunch time, Brad Hitt had him on the floor instead of Marcus Morris. At one point, they panned to the bench. I saw Marcus Morris's face. As you can imagine, he wasn't thrilled. I don't think he said anything afterwards. He's a pro, uh, and he's been important to this team. 
But I, I won't be surprised if you start seeing Jalen Brown on the floor when it matters. He's earned his right to get back into the crunch time lineup. Yeah. Um, also, I'd be remiss not to mention Damian Lillard's play. Um, Lillard is a guy who takes matchups against other top guards personally, even though he's got a good shoe deal and he's he was first team All NBA last year. He does play with a chip on his shoulder, um, mm-hmm. uh, and when he goes up against Kyrie, a guy who you know is very very popular, more popular than Dame, I do think he. You know, plays a little more edge, and it was the second night of a back-to-back for Boston. This, the Blazers right. had been sitting in Boston, waiting for them, sitting in an elevator, but still sitting in Boston. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, you know, the thing about Dame is he's such a terrific player, um, but he has just really not been able to deliver at the highest level in the playoffs. Last year, he was just—it was just not his best foot forward in that series against New Orleans. Um, right. I, you know, he—he had—he's had a couple of great moments in the playoffs. The one. When he hit the shot to um, to end the series, uh, was it against the Rockets? Who was it? I can't remember who was against. Um, um, was it against the Rockets? I think it was yeah. against the Rockets because Dwight was. Yeah. He was. They were playing against Dwight. Yeah. Okay, and he just hit that shot. You know, he's and he's had some some uh, some wars in the postseason with with the Warriors, even though he's just outgunned. Um, but Lillard was great last night, and I feel like we should uh, acknowledge that. Um, so, other to the other uh, team, happy ship. The Lakers, Jackie, whoa, won whoa, last whoa. night. Brian, yes. Before we before we get to that, we have to uh, pause for commercial breaks on some platforms. While we're doing that, can you share with Jackie the report we got on her raucous night in New York after receiving the pen award? And Jamie Pataro initially said that they would cut the open bar off at midnight, but Jackie called them at home and got him to extend it to one, and that <laughs> and was back. a mistake. That was a mistake. <laughs> We're back. Um, so, Jackie, I want to take a moment here. Jackie was given a tremendous honor this week in New York City by the Pen America. Uh, is it the Pen America Foundation or the Pen America Organization? I don't know the proper term. Yes. Or yeah, um, it's a very prestigious literary um, organization. They honor each year. Um, the best writing uh, in books and poetry um, and sports writing too. Um, it's backed by like all kinds of very big time um, literary folks, very famous people. Uh, I think Lauren Michaels donates a bunch of money to it as an example. Um, and they had their annual uh, gala this week in Jackie, McMullen, our own Jackie McMullen was given a Lifetime Achievement Award by by Pen America, which is a major, major honor. Jackie, and Jackie had to give a speech. Um, so Jackie, congratulations, and how was that experience? I think it was on Tuesday night of this week. It was. Um, it was, honestly, it was pretty overwhelming because of the number of incredible writers in the room that's really you know zadie smith was there brian and didn't win <laughs> i mean <laughs> so there was some of the most incredible poets authors journalists present including my my new very good friend rowan ricardo phillips who won uh this year for for the best literary writing for um a non-fiction writing and he's just an incredibly talented young man uh, who it's just to give you an idea of the breadth of some of these people that were there 
uh, Rowan won the Literary Sports Writing you know, Award, as I said, uh, this year for his, his book, which is called The Circuit. Uh, and um, I can't wait to read it. It's, it's, a t- it's called The Circuit, A Tennis Odyssey. But two or three years earlier, this same gentleman won an award for poetry. My goodness, he's incredibly talented. So it was a great evening. Um, ESPN was very generous, and, and it was wonderful to be at. Patrick Stegman was there, Eric Neal, Kevin Meridia, uh, my, my colleague Tim Bontemps, who's such, just such a wonderful young man, was there supporting. Tony Reale from Around the Horn, the host of Around the Horn, was there. And, of course, my, one of my oldest and best friends in this business, Bob Ryan, and his wife were there. So for me, it was uh, just an incredible evening. I, I don't understand what I was doing there still. It was a very overwhelming thing. Uh, the, the list of people that won this award, Brian, we're talking Roger Angel and Frank DeFord and Dan Jenkins, you know, people that I've idolized my entire life. So uh, just an incredible evening. And, you know, it should be pointed out, for those of you who have never heard of PEN America, aside from this wonderful literary awards gala this is the organization that fights for the rights of journalists all over the world these are the people that are trying to hold uh you know people accountable for what happened to for instance Khashoggi at the Turkish embassy they fight for the rights of journalists uh whether they've been wrongly imprisoned or there's been violence uh, done against them so it's it's a really wonderful organization and uh, I do recommend people taking a look at what they do. Never mind the the, uh, the award ceremony. Uh, their aim is is true, so to speak. Andrew, have you ever had a lifetime achievement award? Um, it's uh, quite a thing. No, I still I have a lot of life to live, so I hope I don't okay. win one anytime soon. Okay, good, good. Well, exactly. Jackie, that's one downside. That is the downside. <laughs> and Andrew's hit on it. It does officially, like we didn't know this already. I am old. It's official. I am old. Yeah. I'm okay with yeah. it. I was going to say, Jackie, it's, it. it's odd that you win a Lifetime Achievement Award. You're only, what, halfway through? Oh, there's, dear. There's still a lot dear, of life Andrew. <laughs> we'll see. I don't think so. Well, that was uh, a great honor. Um, oh, actually, dear. before we go to L.A., uh, Jackie, how about Dwayne Wade's Oh, my winner, goodness. Okay, uh, so. Last night. I love the idea of this. You know, cool thing. Get it. You know, the, the, the sentimental value of that shot. But what a gruesome shot. My goodness. He may have traveled. Oh, my God. And he probably almost got blocked once or twice. But I do appreciate yeah. I appreciate the theater of it and the end of a, a you know spectacular career. And I'll, I'll say this, too. You know, it's funny about game winners. We just assume all the greatest players who ever lived hit a ton of game winners. Not true. In fact, I'm doing this story uh, on pressure and how elite champion athletes handle pressure. And I think Shaq told me that he thinks he's only ever hit one game winner in his life. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's hard to go to Shaq for a game winner because right, right. he could get fouled and then it's hard for him to create his own shot. You know, it's not right, basketball. But, 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 it's hard for a big. I understand that. But my point is we think of these great champions right. and we think of them hitting these game winners all over the place and it's it's not the case and you know famously people talk about kobe as you know the killer assassin and yet i think when everybody 
tallied up all the the numbers for him, you know, his his percentage of hitting game winners was very low. Now that I say awesome. that's because he said yeah. right, but I would argue that that's because he was in the impossible task of taking a shot that everybody in the building knew he was going to take in in often dire situations. So you can you can manipulate the numbers any way you want. My point is this: it's hard to hit a game winner. It's hard, and it's yeah, cool when it happens. The 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 Warriors defended that play so well. Um, they they they, they shut him down. The ball went to Deion Waiters, who you know wanted to shoot it. Right. And uh, Jordan Bell did an amazing job coming over and doubling on Deion Waiters. Um, Waiters had to pass out of the double team back to Wade. Durant came and challenged the shot, and Wade was sort of able to get around him and get a shot off. And Jordan Bell hustle, had hustled over and blocked it, and the ball went right, right. back to Wade. So they, they sort of defended the play correctly three times. First Wade, then Waiters, then Wade again, and he throws it up and he banks it in. Well, and he might have traveled, right? Like the first time he came down before he got it to Waiters, you could argue he traveled then too, right? Yeah, we'll have to see the uh, two-minute report, see what that says. Well, but, right, yeah. Um, what I thought was yeah. amazing. Now, I don't know the answer to this, so I may be... I'm just totally speculating, talking out the side of my neck, because maybe the first time they played um, this year, he gave his jersey to Steph Curry. I don't know if he did. But Steph waited for the entire celebration to die down. Um, you know, and, and Dwayne went over and stood on the, uh, the the scorer's table, as he's done in his past, right, and he's right, pounding right. his chest. And it was a great moment. The crowd's going crazy. Obviously, a total sellout, because it was the Warriors. Um, you know, the highlight of the season, the, the, uh, the heat actually for all the belief about the heat being a dominating home team, they've actually been terrible at home this year. I think Mm -hmm. they came in like 12 and 19 at home or 11 and 19. So obviously the highest moment of the year for them, they had, they just had a terrible uh, road trip and, um, you know, they were like in 10th or 11th place. Steph waits for the entire scene to die down to come over to embrace Wade. And I was wondering if he was going over to get the jersey because, oh, you know, but, but again, I don't know. Maybe maybe he already gave him a jersey last time around. Maybe that wasn't what Steph wanted. But Dwayne was like, I'm keeping this jersey. Uh, yeah. There's no there's no jersey swap tonight. For this one, um, right. Yeah, so I, I just thought you know, it was a, a great moment. You know what was funny was, go back and look, when he's when he releases that shot, Steph is under the basket not near the basket under the basket and on the replay you can see Steph looking up through the cylinder Amazing. as the ball is coming through yeah it's a really great shot so yeah uh, Steve Kerr said as soon as he let it go uh, wherever Kerr was standing he could tell it was online he yeah, didn't know that it was going to be strong yeah. to banked in but um, that was a cool moment for Dwayne and um, and it's he's had a pretty good year all things considered the Heat have not the Heat have not had a good year yeah, at all. It's been a disappointing yeah. season. But um, but um, speaking of uh, of the Banana Boat crew, so um, the Lakers got a win last night. Now, look, it was a good win. They need any win right now. But uh, Anthony Davis plays 21 minutes, yeah. scores 22 points in 21 minutes mm-hmm. since the fourth quarter. Um, now, now, some people would present you stats that the Pelicans actually play better uh, and have played better since the trade demand without Anthony Davis on the court, and that may be true. Um, but still, the Lakers needed the win. They got a gift that 
uh, that Davis didn't play late and LeBron was able to come up with a couple of big plays. He had a good night. He had 33 points. Um, uh, and after the game, in an interview with uh, Chris Haynes of Yahoo, LeBron kind of uh, hit back at people who've criticized his defense this year. Um, we saw the clips, I'm sure you saw, Jackie, the other night in Memphis, um, there was a play where LeBron just stayed in the paint. Right, right, um, right. Yeah. Gave up a wide-open three-pointer. And Luke Walton tried to defend him and said he was actually following the scheme and, and playing the pick-and-roll in there, and they're going to live with with a guy shooting 21% or whatever, shooting that three. Right. But LeBron has taken some heat for his defense this year, and he kind of basically came back and said, if you don't believe, if you think I sink a defense, come at me and see what happens. Um, the numbers actually say, Jackie, that he's he's better than he was last year. Um, last year, the Cavs' defense was an abomination. They were 30th. LeBron, it was the worst defensive year of his career, his effort right. level was an embarrassment. Um, he's actually been, while you can present many clips of him not looking so good, um, uh, he's actually been way better on defense this year. And if there's one thing you can say about the Lakers, I don't see their ranking this morning yet, but I think yeah, as of yesterday they were 12th in the league. they actually have been okay on defense. LeBron's been okay on defense. He ranks 6th amongst all small forwards in defensive RPM. Last year, he ranked 50th among right. small forwards. Not 50th in the league, 50th among small forwards. Right, which would um, probably put him around 130, 140 in the league, right? Oh, I didn't take. even look. I didn't even look. Um, but I would say that when you come out and say playoff mode is activated and then you're giving up easy baskets because you're not rotating, it's not the greatest look. So, That's right. you know... You know the, the Lakers have a. I, I, one thing I've noticed, um, you know, you've talked about Kyrie sort of shrugging off with his commentary, trying to tighten up, and and LeBron in the last two three days has gone all positive with his commentary, um, trying to rally the troops with positivity. I still don't know if it's going to be enough. Um, they've got a hard road to hoe, but uh, Brandon Ingram has played has played better over the last four games. Um, I don't know. This is going to be the dominating topic of conversation for the next six weeks, whether they can make it in or not. Uh, it's it's we went over the, on the pod on Tuesday the schedules of the teams ahead of them. It's just really really challenging, Jackie, and um, yes. I, I really do think that for the first time, LeBron is realizing how I, I know he is realizing how tough this is going to be. Right, but I think you hit on hit on why people are criticizing him. You, the fact that he would felt the need to come out and talk about, well, I'm going to activate earlier than normal. That should sound off all sorts of alarms to everybody. Why aren't you activated start to finish? And I know you're older, but you're the one that insisted on playing 82 games last year. You can't have it both ways. So I think that's where some of the criticism comes in. And, uh, and those clips are real. They're not doctored. And, uh, and I do think that what was significant about last night was the defense was better because I, I know you mentioned that the defense is in the top 15 or 12 or 13 or somewhere like that, but during that losing stretch they've had, their defense was, was very poor and it was the reason they were losing games. So if you want to really activate, to use the bronze word, and, and help your team win, then you got to defend. It's that simple. Yeah, and really at this point, they really don't have, they don't have any margin for error. Like they can't, I mean... 
they just can't afford to give up a game because they played lackluster defense. Um, and their schedule is still pretty challenging, starting with the Bucks, who are coming in. Um, I think tomorrow is when the Bucks are there, and they haven't played yeah. the Bucks yet. Um, right. You know, we'll see how. You know, this is this is one thing I, I, I'm interested. You know, I, I was going to say when we were talking about Kyrie, I would still probably take Kyrie with my number one draft pick if I was drafting a team in the East for the playoffs, um, because I think he's so valuable in a playoff setting. But it's only because it's it's only because Giannis hasn't really done it yet. Giannis, this may be the year where Giannis, it's a 2-2 playoff series or it's, you know, his team's down in an elimination game in the fourth quarter and he just grabs the thing by the throat and takes it. He has that kind of ability. I haven't seen him do it yet. Um, maybe this is the year to do it, uh, that it happens, but I, I still think Kyrie is there and I still think LeBron is, is, you know, is on that level, but, you know, it's just going to be difficult, and and we, we this is the first time we're going to see um, this year LeBron versus MVP level Giannis. We've never seen Giannis at this level before, and uh, I don't know if he's going to still be on a minute restriction. I would guess a little bit, but uh, that becomes a vital game. It's like almost like a must win game for the Lakers, and um, I, you know it's definitely something I'm looking forward to. They play the Bucks twice, you know. They haven't played the Bucks yeah. at all yet this year. So they still have the Bucks yeah. twice. They got to play Denver again. They got to play the Clippers. They got to play Boston on the road. So who even knows what that is? They've got yeah, to play. They have in another Toronto. East Coast trip. Yeah, they have another they East Coast trip. To play. Yeah. yeah. So they they got their work cut out for them. So uh, I was hoping McMahon could talk about this. Um, he, you know, flight problems. Um, so Dirk Nowitzki. Uh, told him, I don't know if it was just to him, but you know, Dirk. They put Dirk back in the starting lineup. Um, and I don't, I wasn't there to see the interview, but, um, Dirk is basically not down with the, you know, he's never said he was going to retire. Um, Adam Silver said he thought he was going to retire. Um, did you hear that quote at the All-Star weekend? That was funny. Um, he was was like, well, you know, I saw him run up and down the court and, you know, um, but he's right. He is right. Just go ahead. Yeah, so Dirk had a good game last night, well, by his standards, um, and we had 11 points as a starter, and he's basically said, hey, I, I'm still thinking about playing next year, guys. Don't pull out the rocking chair just yet. Um, oh, I really I hope Dirk know. retires. I love Dirk, and this is not a knock on Dirk at all. <laughs> we're going to be talking about this um, on Around the Horn later today. I have mad love and respect for everything he's done for the game, for the Dallas Mavericks, for European players. They should all kiss him on the cheek when they see him because he totally reinvented what that means. Uh, he's a winner. He's a gentleman. Uh, but he needs to retire, Brian. He needs to retire. He really does. I hope he does. I hate to see players past their prime uh, push the envelope. And I think that's what he's done this year, and I understand it because he, you know, he'd been injured, and I and I lo- I love the fact that he's been had this year with Doncic, and I'm sure that's in, that's playing into his thinking. Wouldn't it be nice to have another year with this young buck? Yeah, but that's what he's I really, about. I yeah. really, really hope uh, that he he stops. Well, I wanted to talk about the Mavericks before we uh, before we go here because they're in an interesting position. So. 
Um, they have come out and said that they that their intention is not to tank or anything. Um, that they want to give their draft pick away this year, so that that's off their off the board, and they can focus on the future with all of their assets. Um, their pick goes to Atlanta if it's outside or if it's outside the top five. It's top five protected. Um, right. This is one thing that I think people aren't realizing about the change in the lottery system. Um, when you take out. They obviously reduced the percentages for the top teams to try to de-incentivize de- tanking. But you have to take those percentages somewhere. You can't just eliminate them. And right. this is where things have gotten interesting. So last night, for example, the Mavericks won at home against the Pacers. It was an excellent win. The Pacers have had won 8 of 10. Um, great win. The Pacers, no are, hint. the Pacers are the last year Celtics, by the way. They're the last year Celtics. Remember everybody said they were cooked when Gordon was gone and then Kyrie was gone? And that, that's the Pacers this year. Yeah, they've been uh, just absolutely awesome at home. Um, De- although they lost two in a row. Defensive juggernaut, defensive yeah. juggernaut. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, share the ball, etc. So right, right now, the Mavericks have the one, two, three, four, five. They have the seventh worst record in the eighth worst record in the league. Okay. So, okay, a year ago, if you had the eighth worst record, um, your chances of winning the lottery were three percent. And your chances of getting a top three pick were about 9%. So, you know, look, uh, if you're in eighth place, you know, maybe you're not trying all out every single night. But, look, it's not uh, something that you're thinking about. You're not chasing, you know, lottery balls or anything. You're, you're right, playing it out. Right, Yep. But I don't think people quite understand how different this year is. Not only in the percentages, but the fact that the top four picks are drawn not the top three. Right. So this year, the chances of the eighth seed getting in the top pick are 6%. So you say, okay, well, they doubled from three to six, but it's still not something you're going to get excited about. But the chance to get in the top four, Jackie, is 27%. So a one in four chance to keep their pick. And if right. they're able to, you know, quote unquote, get to seventh, um, which is, you know, the top six worst teams are kind of set, but if they're able to, quote unquote, get to seventh, um, they're looking at about 33% chance, not of winning, but of getting in the top. Just four. getting in the mix. Right. Getting into right. the mix. So when I see, you know the, the the Mavericks. They say, "Well, we're not tanking, but we are going to absolutely not play Porzingis, and we are going to trade Harrison Barnes, and frankly, mm-hmm. we're going to start Dirk." I don't know. Yeah. Is that you know a winning style move? I don't know. No, yes, um, you do. Wait a minute. Yes, you do. Shenanigans. <laughs> you know. Stop. Come right, on, Brian. Right. So, like, I think that they're low key tanking. Um, not tanking to get the number one pick, but tanking to get that 33%. Well, why I think they? they smart business. Right, of, co- of course. Of course you would do that. And I would say the same thing about the Memphis Grizzlies. The Memphis Grizzlies keep their pick if it's in the top eight. Right now the Grizzlies are in, sorry, in seventh. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, in, you know, 33% chance of, of, uh, of getting the top four. And if you finish seventh, you keep your pick if you don't come up. And, you know, with all due respect, uh, if you watch some of the lineups that the Grizzlies are playing with, I'm not saying they're putting their best foot forward. And I would say, 
even the Pelicans. Um, you know, the Pelicans, uh, they lost last night, but did they really lose, Jackie? Um, no, Anthony Davis, it was a national television game and Anthony Davis played, so there will be no, uh, issues with the NBA for illegal, uh, arresting, uh, you know, whatever, so check that box. They got to play some of their young guys in a, you know, big game. Um, Frank Jackson, for example, had a really good game last night. Um, yep. and they could play, they were very competitive and they lost. And they had a game earlier this week against the uh, Philly 76ers. Same thing. Czech Diallo had a great game that night. Um, Anthony Davis played his requisite 20 minutes. There will be no fine coming or no uh, issues coming from the league office. Uh, and they lost by one. And uh, the Pelicans, remember, it wasn't too long ago, you know, mid-January, we thought the Pelicans were going to be trading. Were we looking to try to make a trade to get into the playoffs? And now the Pelicans are down to 13th in the, um, in the West. And they have the one, two, tied for the sixth worst record. And sixth, sixth place last year would have been a 6% chance of winning the lottery and a 21% chance of getting into the top three. Well, this year it's 9% to get the number one pick. Okay, it's a little bit more, not great, but a thirty-eight percent chance of being in the top four. Wow, so this is a lot of math. Okay, I'm yeah. sorry, but my point is, <laughs> this is uh, this is what you would stick, this stick is what, with this, this number. You just hit on the most important number: thirty-eight percent chance of getting in the top four. That's the number everybody needs to focus on. Right, and so this is the unintended consequence, Jackie, uh, like Adam Silver likes to say. Yes. In theory, the, you know, the Trailblazers, Knicks, and Cavs won't be rolling out D-League lineups, I'm sorry, G-League lineups in the last week to, to, to finish ahead of or finish below each other. Um, and the Bulls have actually won some games recently, and it's been good for them. Markinen and Levine are playing better. Otto Porter helping them. And that's what they want. They, they, don't, they don't want, you know, they, they wanted to level it off. But the unintended consequence is this sort of mid-lottery the incentive in the mid lottery to tank back is sure. is what I'm saying. Is well, what I'm saying. And you know what? When we were in Chicago last weekend, I was talking to a bunch of people that work for the Bulls and are around the Bulls and they were saying, Yeah, this is a great win, but is it? <laughs> because think about them. They're no different than the Pelicans. Everybody especially because Zion is the right? So whenever there's a player of that magnitude and, and we can we can argue another day whether he's he should be the undisputed number one like he is. And it's I some GM said to me the other day, Yeah, he is number one, but he is two hundred and seventy five pounds. And people have some concerns about that. But that's a story for another day. If I'm the New Orleans Pelicans or the Chicago Bulls or any of those teams, I am gonna play along, but I'm gonna do what is right for my team. So if you're the New Orleans Pelicans, last night was the perfect storm. You fulfilled your obligations to the league. Anthony Davis did not get hurt. You played your young players and you did not affect your, your lottery status because you lost. That's a perfect day. And, and yeah. I bet the fans agree with that. Yeah. And, day. um, and the boys. See, here's the thing. You can never get rid of tanking. All these innovative things they're doing to, I, I do think it's discouraged tanking to a degree. You will never get rid of it. 
it's a strategy. It's part of the game. It's part of the league. It's never going away. There is one way to get rid of tanking, and that's to eliminate, and that's to make uh, every team uh, make it a straight lottery, um, where there is no yeah, weight but, towards. I mean, right. I mean, that's a. We're talking that's about so utopia extreme, here. though. That's no, so extreme. You've got to help the teams that. that are that are not very good. Um, right. All right. Well, before we go, Jackie, uh, you are going to be uh, out from the podcast uh, for a couple of weeks. Um, uh, more than a couple. More than a couple. More than a couple. So we're going to miss you. You have to Thank have some you. surgery. I do. I have to have uh, two discs replaced in my neck. Doesn't that sound fun? She's she's fun. she's played through pain, Dirk Nowitzki level for the last year plus. A couple of times, she was basically in traction and got out of traction to do the podcast and went back into traction. So she's been playing hurt. So we hope that this will enable you to have the last twenty years of your career be pain free, Jackie. So we <laughs> we wish you, we wish you the best. Thank you. I'm I'm looking forward to getting it over with, and I'm hopeful that I'll be back for postseason. That's my hope. We'll see if everything Jackie, goes the way I'm, it's supposed to. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Uh, who okay. is your Western Conference finalists? <sighs> Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Part of me wants to say Oklahoma City. I just can't bring myself to do it. So you know what? I was just talking earlier about how I think vibe matters. So I'm going to stick my neck out and say those Denver Nuggets get there. How about that? Oh, wow. Okay. That's that an outline fun, pick, I realize. Wouldn't it, though? That would be a fun series, for sure. Um, oh, I want her East picks as well, her Eastern Conference okay. Finals. Ugh. I just can't pick the Celtics anymore. I can't believe I'm saying that, but I just can't. I think Milwaukee's coming out of the East. I believe in Milwaukee. I know they're young. I know they haven't, quote-unquote, been there. I just like what I see. They're so strong, top to bottom. They're great defensively. 14 losses. We're in March It's Giannis's time. It's Giannis's time. But, but it's Man, more than that, Brian. It's more than that. It's the way they win games. It's not always just Giannis. Chris Middleton hits big shots. It's just there's other things going on with that team that tell me, they're ready, and and they've made some. You know, Bud had, had to make some d- tough decisions. You know, he he was in the he and I think Chris Middleton were in the crosshairs a little bit earlier in the year. Remember? Yeah, he benched and him. They both, yeah. yeah, and they both came through that. Like the one thing about Bud is that um, his expectations are very clear. There's no, there's just absolutely no um, doubting. Like he's so clear in what he means and what he says. And sometimes I don't think they always. Love that, maybe, but they respect it. you got guys like Brogdon that I just think will pay you huge dividends when you get into the postseason. Even though he's a young guy, he's doesn't he feel like he's 150 years old already? Like he's been he, here forever? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know? Miritich, I he thought, was a like great it. pickup. Yeah, Miritich I just had, like, had his first really big game for the Bucks last yeah, night. I just feel points. like they, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take the Bucks coming out of the East. I, and, Bucks you know, over Raptors? Is that or uh, yes? Yep. Yep. Okay. Okay. I think so. And the, and the last so. thing, did the, are the Lakers making the playoffs? Do you think, Jackie? So I was looking at their schedule, and I now don't have it up anymore. But here's why I don't think so: only because their last five games of the year, 
and I'm going to try to call it up as fast as I can while I'm talking to you. I think it starts with their very last game is like their very fast starting the final five games. I believe is Oklahoma City. Let me find it, guys. Here, real quickly, okay? Oklahoma City, Golden State Warriors, Los Angeles Clippers, Utah Jazz, and Portland Trailblazers. Those are your final five games of the year when you're going to be fighting for your life. Uh, now, the good news is one, two, three of those games are at home. But I think it'll come down to the final days and the Clippers, who are another interesting team that we didn't have time to talk about. What what are they trying to do? People thought they were going to try to tank. That's clearly not the case. You, you They play Friday, April 5th, the Lakers at the Clippers, which is like home against home. That game's going to be huge. Right. I think the yeah. I think the Lakers are going to just miss out. Just yeah, they miss. get to play their last four. They get to play their last five games. No, wait, four games no, no. at Staples. Four games yep. at Staples. One of them is technically well, a road game though, because the Clippers. But and, yeah. and who knows if Golden State rolls out their regulars? I don't know. Right? Yeah, it's hard to know. We year. talked about that right. this week, but I just yeah. think um, just it's, it's all about the conversation. The conversation is: Can they get to eight? You know, is that some right. sort of victory? So that they can declare the season a success, I don't really think so. But that's where that's where we are. Well, that's 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 their narrative, though, isn't it? And I think that's pretty clearly their narrative. Yes, when, you, know, um, you take what I, you I can if, get. Yeah, and if you're Luke Walton and you're really trying to fight to keep the job, because let's be honest, he is. He's fighting to keep his job. Um, if yeah. he misses the playoffs, it's it's going to be a hard it's going to be a hard way to defend yourself on that. So, if, if for yeah. nothing else, then then whether or not Luke stays. Um, well, Jackie, good luck with uh, your surgery. I'm sure it will go well. And uh, get healthy, and we'll be welcoming you back. And thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective. And um, we didn't do Cajones Factor Player of the Month because McMahon didn't show up, so we'll have to roll that in next week. I know that's going to break everyone's heart, but uh, try to get through the weekend. Um, thank you for listening, and have a good weekend.